Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Dr. Sarah Regensteiner, a medical officer, and Dr. Joy Gary, a staff pathologist, both at the CDC Infectious Diseases Pathology Branch. I spoke with Dr. Regensteiner and Dr. Gary about pathological findings in suspected cases of e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, or e-valley. So, Dr. Regensteiner and Dr. Gary, could you start by giving a brief definition and explanation of e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, or e-valley, and how it arises? Sure. This is Dr. Regensteiner. And in August 2019, public health officials in the United States identified an outbreak of severe pulmonary disease in people with a history of e-cigarette or vaping product use, which was later termed e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, or e-valley. And e-cigarette or vaping devices work by heating a liquid to produce an aerosol that users inhale into their lungs. And this liquid can contain nicotine, tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, and cannabidiol or CBD oils, as well as other substances, flavorings, and additives. And e-valley cases were noted to present with respiratory symptoms like cough, shortness of breath, chest pain, gastrointestinal symptoms like nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea, and constitutional symptoms like fatigue, fever, or weight loss, most developed bilateral infiltrates and diffuse ground glass opacities seen on imaging, and assessments for infectious disease causes of illness is typically negative. And descriptions of biopsies from suspected e-valley cases demonstrated an acute lung injury pattern, such as diffuse alveolar damage. And through February 18, 2020, a total of 2,807 hospitalized E-Valley cases or deaths were reported to the CDC from um, all 50 U.S. states, D.C., and two U.S. territories. And serious outcomes of E-Valley have been common. And of October 2019, 46% of patients with E-Valley were admitted to the intensive care unit and 22% required intubation and mechanical ventilation. And national and state data from patient reports and product sample testing show that THC-containing e-cigarette or vaping products, particularly those from informal sources like friends, family, or in-person or online dealers, are linked to most e-valley cases and played a major role in the outbreak. And vitamin E acetate is strongly linked to the e-valley outbreak as well. Vitamin E acetate is used as an additive, most notably in THC-containing e-cigarette or vaping products. It's been found in product samples tested by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, in state labs, and in patient bronchoalveolar lavage fluid samples tested by CDC from geographically diverse states. And vitamin E acetate has not been found in the bronchoalveolar lavage fluid of people that do not have e-valley. However, evidence isn't sufficient to rule out the contribution of other chemicals of concern, including other chemicals in THC or non-THC-containing products in some of the reported E-Valley cases. Why do you think we're seeing an increase in suspected cases and deaths from E-Valley, and why in the U.S. in particular? Sure. So THC-containing e-cigarette or vaping products that also contain vitamin E acetate primarily led to the emergence of E-Valley cases and deaths seen in 2019. And this is supported by evidence of vitamin E acetate in the bronchoalveolar lavage fluid samples in patients with E-Valley from 16 different states, and also with identification of vitamin E acetate in THC-containing products bought in 2019, but not in those bought in 2018. And it's important to note that E-Valley cases and deaths have actually declined considerably. National ED or emergency department data and active case reporting from state health departments around the U.S. showed a sharp rise in um, symptoms or cases of E-Valley in August of 2019 with a peak in September of 2019 and then a gradual but persistent decline since then. And reasons for the decline are likely multifactorial and may be related to increased public awareness of the risk associated with using THC-containing e-cigarette products as a result of the rapid public health response, the removal of vitamin E acetate from some products, 
and also uh, U.S. law enforcement actions related to illicit products. Dr. Gary, what did you find when looking at the biopsies and autopsies from these suspected cases? Yes, thank you, Erin. Great question. As part of the ongoing public health um, investigation into E-Valley, the CDC aided state health departments in the pathologic evaluation of tissue specimens. For this newly released study, CDC evaluated lung biopsy and autopsy tissues from 23 individuals from 16 states of which 14, or 61%, were less than 35 years of age, and 15, or 65%, were male. CDC also reviewed the medical records, evaluated medical histories of the patients, and performed infectious disease testing on submitted specimens when indicated by the clinical history. Overall, the study's biopsy findings revealed that all 10 individuals with lung biopsies submitted met the E-Valley surveillance case definition and were hospitalized, and unfortunately, one of these individuals died. Nine, or 90%, reported using THC-containing e-cigarette or vaping products. Seven, or 70%, reported using nicotine-containing products. And six, or 60%, reported using both. All biopsies demonstrated microscopic findings that were consistent with the acute to subacute lung injury, including widespread damage to the air sacs of the lungs, which is called diffuse alveolar damage, or in some cases there were features consistent with organizing pneumonia. The study's autopsy findings revealed that of the 13 individuals for whom autopsy specimens were submitted, 11 were classified as e-valley cases by the submitting health department, 10 or 91% had a history of using THC-containing e-cigarette or vaping products, 7 or 64% had a history of using nicotine-containing products, and 6 or 55% of using both. Of the 11 individuals for whom autopsy specimens were submitted and were classified as e-valley cases by the submitting health department, 8 demonstrated microscopic evidence of the acute lung injury, most often diffuse alveolar damage, as seen in seven cases, but also acute and organizing fibrinous pneumonia in one case. Alternative diagnoses were found microscopically in autopsy specimens for only two of the clinically suspected E-Valley cases. Of these cases, one demonstrated pulmonary edema and evidence of cardiac disease consistent with heart failure, and the other demonstrated diffuse alveolar damage, but also had evidence of urosepsis, which was determined in the end to be the underlying cause of the acute lung injury. Dr. Regensteiner, currently suspected cases are diagnosed based on a surveillance case definition. Could you explain what this case definition includes? How do your findings relate to the case definition, and does anything need to change with this? So for the purposes of this paper and for public health surveillance, the standard case definitions for E-Valley established by the CDC in coordination with state public health partners were used. And the primary case definition can be used for classification of cases that are hospitalized, And a confirmed case includes having a history of using an e-cigarette product in the 90 days prior to symptom onset, evidence of pulmonary infiltrates on chest imaging, absence of pulmonary infection on initial workup. At a minimum, this would include a negative viral respiratory panel and negative influenza PCR rapid test, and no evidence in the medical record of an alternative plausible diagnosis. A probable case only differs in that a patient can have an infection identified, but the clinical team didn't feel that this was the sole cause of the underlying lung injury, or there wasn't the opportunity to perform the minimum infectious disease testing. 
And given most hospitalized patients will not have biopsies collected, the primary case definition does not include pathologic findings as a component. But the out-of-hospital case definition was implemented to enhance surveillance efforts, recognizing that there could be people with E-Valley who might die prior to hospital admission for whom chest imaging and clinical evaluation outlined in the primary definition wouldn't have been performed. And this definition does integrate pathologic findings. And a confirmed case, according to the out-of-hospital definition, includes a history of e-cigarette product use in the 90 days prior to death, pathologic evidence of acute lung injury, absence of pulmonary infection, and no evidence of an alternative plausible diagnosis. Similarly to the primary case definition, a probable out-of-hospital case only differs in that a patient can have an infection identified, but the medical examiner or other pathologist doesn't believe this is the sole cause of the underlying lung injury. Pathologic findings are an important component of the out-of-hospital case definition, and so for individuals with suspected E-Valley who die before medical investigation can be completed, evaluation of autopsy tissues can help determine if that decedent could be an E-Valley case. But for clinicians, this is a reminder that E-Valley remains a diagnosis of exclusion because at present there's no specific test or marker that exists for diagnosis, and evaluation should be guided by clinical judgment and things like response to therapy. What are the main take-home messages from your findings, and how do they impact clinicians and users of e-cigarette or vaping products? For individuals with a history of e-cigarette or vaping product use who die suddenly and unexpectedly, autopsy findings can shed light on the cause of death. Additionally, a history of e-cigarette or vaping product use should be ascertained for decedents who at autopsy have acute to subacute lung injury but have an undetermined cause of death. These findings emphasize that a diagnosis of E-Valley should be considered if biopsy or autopsy findings show acute lung injury in an individual with a history of e-cigarette or vaping product use when there's no alternative cause of death or illness identified. Um, However, cases can be complicated when more than one cause could be leading to lung injury. For clinicians, this is a reminder that rapid recognition of E-Valley patients is critical to reduce severe outcomes. So when evaluating patients with respiratory, gastrointestinal, or nonspecific constitutional symptoms, healthcare providers should ask about recent use of e-cigarette or vaping products in a confidential and non-judgmental manner. And if product use is confirmed, the types of substances used, for instance, THC or nicotine, and where they were obtained should be ascertained. There is interim guidance for healthcare providers for managing patients with suspected e-valley and other management resources at www.cdc.gov forward slash lung injury. And CDC encourages clinicians to continue to report possible e-valley cases to their local or state health department for further investigation. For users of e-cigarette or vaping products, CDC and FDA continue to recommend that people not use THC-containing e-cigarette or vaping products, particularly from informal sources like friends, family, or in-person or online dealers. Vitamin E acetate shouldn't be added to any e-cigarette or vaping products. And additionally, people should not add any other substances not intended by the manufacturer to products, including those purchased through retail establishments. And finally, users of e-cigarette or vaping products should contact their healthcare provider if they have concerns about e-valley, including if they are concerned about possible symptoms. Finally, there's been some discussion around the fact that e-valley has a similar presentation to COVID-19. What are your thoughts on this and how could they be really distinguished? Thanks for the important question. So e-valley cases have been reported during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, for instance, as described in a recent Morbidity and Mortality Weekly report publication from California Department of Public Health authors in June of 
this year. It's important to remember that at present, E-Valley is a diagnosis of exclusion because there's no specific test or marker for its diagnosis. But some symptoms of E-Valley are the same or similar to symptoms associated with seasonal influenza and other viral respiratory illnesses, including COVID-19. Um, these include things like fever, chills, cough, shortness of breath. And some patients with E-Valley have also reported nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain, which can also be symptoms of COVID-19. In people with a history of e-cigarette or vaping product use and THC exposure, symptoms could be caused by influenza viruses, COVID-19, other infections, e-valley, or a combination of these illnesses. And so clinicians should use their judgment to determine if a patient has signs or symptoms compatible with COVID-19. They're encouraged to consider testing for other causes of respiratory illness, for example, influenza, in addition to testing for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, depending on patient age, season, clinical setting. And if uh, there's detection of one respiratory pathogen, for instance, influenza, that doesn't exclude the potential co-infection with SARS-CoV-2. And clinicians should also be sure to continue asking about recent use of e-cigarette or vaping products in a confidential or non-judgmental manner. And again, additional information concerning e-valley and e-valley symptoms can be found at www.cdc.gov forward slash lung injury. And while the number of e-valley cases reported to CDC has steadily declined since September 2019, clinicians and public health practitioners should remain vigilant for e-valley cases. Dr. Regensteiner, Dr. Gary, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. We appreciate it.